Hey, this is Kevin from Kevin's Barbecue Joints, and welcome to episode 301 of the Kevin's Barbecue Joints podcast. And this one's a really good one. That's with RJ Hinkle. He's a photographer. In the title of this interview, I put barbecue photographer, but he's so much more, just like every other photographer. Barbecue is just a passion and a component of his entire catalog of things that he likes to photograph and that he does for a living. And he is a big time photographer. I reached out to him and I've been following him for a long time. I think in 2014, Daniel Vaughn at Texas Monthly wrote a little blurb about him. And that's how I started to kind of pay attention to what he was doing. And then when I did a list of what photographers and barbecue photographers use, I reached out and we became friends. And I'm so glad because you're going to really enjoy this. It gets into the weeds. It's important if you're interested in photography, because I think you'll get a lot out of this. But also too, if you're just interested in people who are passionate about their craft and passionate about people in general and the people that are really passionate about their craft. I know you're going to love this. He's he's a fervent lover of Texas and its barbecue joints as well. So can't thank RJ enough for taking the time. Oh, and it's interesting because I, I wanted to know what his first camera was and it involves bazooka gum. So I think you'll find that kind of intriguing, but I can't thank him enough for taking the time. I know you guys are going to really enjoy this. I'll put all of his links to everything below, as well as if you're listening to this on the podcast side, jump over to the YouTube side. I have a montage at the beginning of a number of his photos that are barbecue photos and they're just gorgeous. He actually has one of my favorite photos of someone in particular, but uh, he has a lot of my favorite photos as i've gone through them i'm like that's my favorite that's my favorite and the kevin's barbecue joints podcast and youtube show is brought to you by syntech smokers they're based out of luling texas it's michael johnson he's doing an amazing job he's been welding since he was a kid his pits are gorgeous his welds are awesome he's just really good at what he does when we first started this partnership he was about four to five months now he's 12 to 14 so if you're interested in his pits follow him at syntex underscore smokers give him a dm get a quote you're going to fall in love with what he does and then get inspired even if you aren't in the market for a pit you'll get inspired by his work and his photos and he takes some really cool stuff and really cool shots again that's Centex smokers out of luling texas and it's sponsored by flores tortillas that's floristortillas.com or flores tortilla on all the social media michael wyatt is putting together some of the best tortillas on the planet they're made with smoked beef tallow every monday at 10 a.m they drop on his website for sale get them in dozens Ship them anywhere in the United States. They are so good, you'll make someone so happy. But you could also, there's a number of barbecue joints across the United States that carry them either to use for their tacos or they sell them in a case. So I have a list below of those. Again, it's Flores Tortillas, so happy they're on board. And I have a website at kevinsbbqjoints.com. Links to all the podcasts and YouTube stuff. If you're enjoying these, please subscribe. That way you don't miss out. But at the end, stay safe and have a good week. You said you grew up in West Texas. Where in West yeah. Texas and what was that well, like? Um I was an Air Force brat, so I was born in Amarillo, and when I was like a year old, we moved to England. My mom is English, and uh, my dad is from West Texas, was born in a farmhouse outside of a little town called Tokyo, Texas, and and then we lived in Louisiana and Taiwan, came back to San Antonio where my dad finished his Air Force career, and then we moved back to Plains, Texas in Yoakum County, which is which was like his hometown and yeah. that's where I went to high school and everything. So that's where I say I'm from. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I claim to be, I don't know if they claim me, but I claim you. <laughs> <laughs> I think they have no choice. <laughs> but and as the saying goes, you can't sling a dead cat in planes without hitting somebody that I'm kin to. So <laughs> I, I love 
Texas uh, phrases. I love like little old old sayings. It's it's a, that's hilarious. I, we get, I'll get a couple uh, of beers. I mean, you'll learn some new ones. Oh, all right. Well, I look forward to that someday. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're on. Um, did so? How long did you live in England? Uh, we lived there for four years. Were there years that you remember, or were you too young? Yeah, I was probably you know up until I was about five. I think is when we moved back. So I have memories of it. Probably some of my earliest memories are there. Do you go back? Um, ever? Yeah, I go back several times. In the late 70s, my my aunt and her family, my mom's sister, they immigrated to the U.S. So in Little Bitty Plains, Texas, population 1,240, there were my cousins lived first down the street and then across the street from us, and they were English. But we went, I took my kids for the first time year before last, we went and we took my mom. Oh. My mom didn't, my mom didn't want to go and she's like, I'm too old. I don't, you know, like, you know, trying to talk her into it. And if you want grandma to do something, you get the grandkids. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a, that's a smart so idea. So my son is like, it's like, come on, grandma. We want, we really want you to go. And so she went, she had a blast. We put oh, her sure. up in first class and um, we walked around her old neighborhood and it, it was really that's cool important. for the kids. And, no, it's important um, for for the grandkids too to see to hear the stories or see and see the old places. Right, yeah. And then we one night we were staying in this like 17th century inn, you know, with like a pub downstairs. And oh, I love that. Um, <laughs> one night, one night, I we got all the cousins together because my my all the people I remember growing up are gone. You know, my great aunts and my grandfather and and everything. And but there's still a lot of my mom's cousins and second cousins and we probably had like 30 or 40 of them get together in the beer garden at this pub and it was so much fun that's so neat that's special just like it just reminds you of how many it reminded me how many how how similar my two cultures are you know as far as uh hospitality and Mm -hmm. stuff like that also too being a photographer and a photographer's mind how was that when you shooting in because i haven't been to england before but it's oh it's fun i mean in the buildings, England, the just, stone, the everything. You know, I'm from West Texas, which is a rev- relatively new part of the world, right? Like, yeah, comparatively. White, white people <laughs> and Europeans didn't move there yeah. until almost the turn of the century. You know, like I remember when I was a photojournalist working in Lubbock, photographing Lubbock's 75th anniversary. Well, in England, the house my cousins <laughs> live in is like 350 years old. And you, you know, you can't sling a dead cat without hitting a castle <laughs> or something. And it's just, it's, it's overwhelming how beautiful it is. And it's interesting. I, no, I, I want to go to Europe because even in California, I'm always on the search for old buildings here in Los Angeles. And oh yeah. And there's really not, there, there, there are, but they're not, not like. I think Dallas be. and LA are almost kindred spirits in that I think way. So. It's yeah, like yeah. They just tear down everything and build new. But I'm sure as you drive around Texas, there's times where you stop because you see something. Beautiful. Oh, it's and there's and, and 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 almost as many times things I see that I regret not stopping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I yeah. was just down in Junction, Texas, um, which is just off of I-10, kind of north and north and west of San Antonio. I was helping teach a class. Texas Tech University is where I went to school. Mm-hmm. And I'm on the National Advisory Board. They have a campus in Junction, and it's almost like a field research thing you know but every year between they call it an intercession between the spring session and the first summer session they have like this two-week really intense photography class it's kind of like an outdoor that's great photography class and it's and it's legendary like anybody that ever went to tech and you ask them about if they were in photography or 
anything in, in media and communications, they'll, huh. if they went, they'll be telling you about it. And I've been wanting to go for years. And it used to be taught by Wyman Menzer, who's pretty famous photographer. I've yeah. heard of him. And he tried to get me to go down. And then now Jared Foster, who's a good friend, a great photographer, great guy, and a professor at Tech, he teaches it. You know, and he was always like, come on down. And it was always a really busy time for me because I was like right at the middle end of May. And where, you know, every time I thought I was going to go, I'd get booked, you know, and it's like, so, you know, pandemic and everything. I'm like, I got nothing going. And he's like, come on down. So I spent a week down there. So much fun. We shot rattlesnakes and did fake, you know, they don't get exposed to commercial photography a lot. So we kind of did a mock commercial shoot for this that's such and, and because of you because i want to get into that because that's the world that you're you have a your foot's in in that world a lot yeah and that's where i live yeah yeah you, you don't live but you're like you're like not always but your brain isn't always 100 there because i'm sure there's other things that you love to do but well but i now, started what, life as a photojournalist and i kind yeah. of feel like that's in my blood hopefully that's reflected in my style a little bit mm -hmm, for sure basic storytelling and and looking at things i always say probably you know i love what i do i love my crew i love my clients i mean it's really cool people go oh it's such an exciting job it is it really is fun it beats digging ditches which i've done that too <laughs> but sometimes it's just a job you know mm -hmm. some days you know not every day is you know shooting yeah. a safari in africa or something but have you shot a it, safari in africa yeah i did a oh that's a, so cool <laughs> a magazine shoot and oh it was so much fun it was an exercise and sleep deprivation, but it was fun. Uh, you know, but so so what was your what was your very first camera and when did you know that this was a path that you wanted to go on? My very first camera that I can recall, I thought, you know, I'm gonna, if, as you can imagine, I've thought about this over the years. We lived in Taiwan and I was like, I went to second and third grade there. Okay. And I ordered it off of a bazooka bubblegum wrapper nice <laughs> and it was just a little you know it took like i guess like 120 film or whatever and that was my very first camera and my uh -huh. dad was always not like super into it but kind of a hobbyist he had this huh. nice rangefinder camera he had gotten in germany and he took pictures i have this great collection of slides from everywhere we went in the world oh that, and is that my dad special. took but really what got me more serious into it when I was in the eighth grade going into high school again Plains Texas Yoakum County <laughs> my cousin a little bit older than me she was going to be a senior when I was going to be a freshman and she was editor of the yearbook ah or in our vernacular, the annual. We call it the annual. Not the yearbook. But most people understand yearbook. Oh, yeah, if you said and, annual, like, I, annual, I would think it was some uh, something else. Yes, <laughs> a, a doctor's sad. exam or something, right? <laughs> so she, I was always into kind of arts and crafts and stuff, always kind of doing stuff like that. And she was like, oh, he would be really good at that. He should be a photographer. Huh. And so she like made me a photographer. Wow. And the first, first day of high school, I learned how to use the camera, which was a Pentax spot k1 no no it's a pentax spotmatic with a screw-in lens and the second day i learned how to develop film like develop a roll of triangles yeah. black and white film and the third day i learned how to make a print and then like the fourth or fifth day the guy that taught me all that quit the yearbooks oh, no. <laughs> and so it was good though because it's funny I, it all these little things have... it forced me to have yeah, to go made seek you. out and learn like every teacher that 
cycled through during my high school years that had any, you know, experience in photography or had taken any classes in college, you know, I would just glop onto them and try to learn. And, you know, and by the time I graduated, I thought, I thought I knew everything about photography. (laughs) It's funny how how much more stupid I've become since since then. Likewise. So (laughs) I was going to be a photographer, but I thought I don't have to take photography in school or anything. I'm just going to major in business and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, I think I got to my second year of school and business count. And then that's when I switched over to photo dress. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. So I went from there and I worked, I got a scholarship at this small uh, school in Hobbs, New Mexico. And I worked at the, um, I worked at the school as a student photographer shooting their PR stuff and everything. And then I, I got an internship at the newspaper in that town oh. that summer. And then, um, then I went on to Texas Tech and I worked at the University News and Publications Bureau there. Oh. And, and then worked at, we had a great student publications uh, department. It was our paper was independent. It was at the school in the journalism building, but we were independent from the school. So we could do whatever we wanted, which, you know, was good and bad. Yeah, good but, and bad, um, yeah. But it was like a paid, you know, I got paid for 20 hours a week. And it was, you know, good real life experience. And then I went on to work at the newspaper at that town and I, in Lubbock, the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, and just moved on from newspapers to newspapers. And I got into the commercial world. I, I got a job at, uh, or I, my cousin worked at this printing company called Quad Graphics. It's like, now it might be the biggest printing company, but for a long time, it was the second biggest printing company. They had a photo studio and shot a lot of commercial stuff. And they wanted somebody who could shoot people. Huh. And so I, you know, I inter- you know, I'm like, got an ego. So I like, you know, showed them, sent them my portfolio and they interviewed me a couple of times and then they offered me a job and I never even thought about it or anything. I was like, probably not real happy with my managing editor and whatever. And I was like, cool, I'll take it. And, and I mean, that's how much thought I gave it right there. And I was like, I was like, hey, I've I've got a vacation planned in Paris. Can I can I start like in three weeks? And they're like, sure. Wow. And so I like <laughs> quit my job, went to Paris for two weeks. And wait, quick quick and, aside, this was this was all film, right? You were shooting on film. You yeah, were, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Do you remember the smell of the developing oh, fluid? Because I, I, I took a class dreams about it. Yeah, yeah I, that I, I, I just did, I took like an extra, I took a like a little class in and it was black and white photography, but I remember that smell. It's so visceral. It's, it's just, probably the rapid fix that you remember that okay. that smell. But yeah. Do you think oh, that yeah. changed the way? Do you think it shaped the way you shoot now? I I shooting think on film. So or help you know, now I've been doing form. digital so long. It's it's like one of one of the exercises my buddy did at this class was made him shoot something in 36 frames. Okay. So they really had to think yeah. about it. And now I mean, when I'm shooting fashion, we shoot 600 frames on one picture. Like- you know, I mean, it's it's crazy. You know, and you think about the differences. I mean, I can't. I can remember like being on a beach somewhere, shooting on the Hasselblad, shooting film. And, you know, crews there, models there. And you turn to the art director and you go, I think I got it. Let's shoot one more roll. (laughs) And that's the whole beauty of digital photography. People say all these things, you know, it's faster, it's cheaper, you know, whatever. All those things may be true, but they are all because of that immediate feedback. Mm -hmm. You know, 
Now I'm shooting. I'm. I'm. Are you 90, shooting to a laptop now or something? Ninety like percent of the time, I'm shooting tethered. Yeah. And, that's you that's know, what's called. The art directors, <laughs> the art director, creative director, client are all looking at the thing, and they're like, "Okay, let's got it. Let's move on." You know, you have it. You move. You you can move on to the next shot. It makes you more productive. You know, a lot of the technical risks are gone. You know, like you always shot extra because, like, what if this film gets ruined this role gets yeah. ruined in the process and you've got some on this other role well you know you got a digital tech there and he's backing up yeah exactly yeah that's what i was gonna say like, like you almost don't... in real time and like i mean i'm one of my customers he's like backing up to multiple multiple Terrib- hard drives because <laughs> we're like we're like handing them off to retouchers that might be on location with us to get stuff out and then one might get FedEx to somebody else. And it's, oh, okay. it's amazing some, uh, I, I, how far we've come. And the disappointing part of that versus like back in the film days is like, sometimes I don't see the picture after I took it until months that's true. later. Oh, that is true. That is, that's a bizarre goes, thing. It goes into that pipeline. Yeah, shot, exactly. It's like, it's, it's not a... <laughs> And see, you know, you feel like a lot of times you feel like I wanted some input on that, but you know, you just got to go with the workflow. Wow, that's that sparked an uh, interesting memory because I remember I I had to do some stuff for the Academy Awards. This is way before COVID. I had to do some writing stuff, and there was a photographer who was taking the photos as the people won the award. They go to a room. There's all these. Fo- there's like a photograph, like a huge yeah. stage where they're the, all the photographers and then they go into an interview room and the from all over the world but i and so i was just i was just transcribing stuff i wasn't anyway too special but i remember the girl bringing she had a, an assistant who was bringing cards and they were stacking the cards somewhere and one of them got lost and that was because it was they uh, were and i remember the panic and the, she drank so much that night because she was so depressed so sad like it was i remember her had a number of whiskey I mean, it, it all depends on the type of shoot you're doing, right? And everything, but cards, like especially commercial photography and stuff, a card workflow is just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. I mean, I won't, I won't say who the client was because I'm sure everybody would recognize him, but I was on a shoot one time in, uh, where were we, Colorado, I think, and um, they had like a card workflow and and they, the, digital tech got overwhelmed and they lost that's exactly what happened cards and or mixed them up and then re- or something. Oh, yeah, over and i was new this is my first shoot for them and i was new to the workflow so i was kind of like hedging my bet like i know i'm really not supposed to do this and i don't want to slow down the process but i was like making my own backup copy before i handed off the cards smart because even though we weren't shooting tethered we would have a laptop along and check stuff periodically you know and so i mean kind of my my uh ocd-ness doing that that. kind of like saved part of that shoot can you explain that way so the workflow could make because what if someone's listening to this now and they're aspiring to do (laughs) to what what's that what's the workflow that you wouldn't wouldn't recommend is it that because 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 i think she was grabbing the cards and then they were stacking them on something or putting them into something that was foam yeah i mean i you know there's a million iterations but you you know you take the card out of the camera and hand it to somebody a runner or somebody or maybe the digital tech is standing right there and then they start loading it in to computers or you know back but, but if it's happening too quickly there could be multiple ones that are stacked next well, to each and other if we and, had yeah, and we had um we had two crews shooting too 
So they were getting fed by two different. Oh. And oh, that's a double. So recipe. it's just when you're when you're tethered, it's just smoother, and you can automate a lot more stuff. You know, so you're shooting, it's popping up, the client's seeing it, and they're not having to interpret something yeah. that's not quite the proper resolution at this size. Yeah, they could zoom know, in they, on it and they could, yeah. The digital techs, they're just masters at at having automatic backups and backups of the backups. And it's it all happens with a lot of, I mean, you know, there's always the human element keeping a check on everything, but there's a lot of automation that just yeah. like keeps it smooth. It adds cost and yeah. crew and, and, and everything. And I mean, other, like yeah. on a location shoot like that, I mean, you got to think about it not only adds the cost of that extra person and their gear, but the risk involved in insurance with that, lodging and food for that person. Yeah. I mean, yeah, thank crew, they got to eat all the time and sleep inside. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't understand. That makes zero <laughs> but, sense to um, me. You know, so that's the downside. Mm. But, you know, so, I mean, different levels of production. And I shoot, you know, we talk about this stuff and I don't want to make it sound like that's my world every single day. I do. I do shoots where it's just me and what I can yeah, carry yeah. on my back. And I do shoots with a crew of 30 people, you know, two RVs and a 510 grip truck. You know, it's just, it depends on what you're doing. But, you know, when you're spending that much money, you know, what we do, I mean, I think we're, we're you know, hopefully compensated fairly, maybe sometimes not enough, but yeah. it's a lot of money. And so that little extra that's important. Adding that crew member makes sure that, that doesn't money doesn't go for naught. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. you want to you. It's a, just one little extra assurance that you know. I mean, if they're paying me and a couple of models and a couple of stylists and hair and makeup and <laughs> and that's a whole and thing. craft services and lodging for everybody. I mean, that meter starts running. I always try to when I'm talking to students and everything and talking mm -hmm. to new crew and everything. I always try to you know, press upon them that, you know, once we throw that lever of the machine and start taking pictures, it's, it's just eating money, mm -hmm. you know? And so if stuff happens that, that halts production, slows us down or everything, that's why everybody gets excited. And, you know, you hear those stories of people yelling at everybody and, you know, there's, I try not to do that. I mean, I, I like to think, you know, I like to think of my crew as my family and my, my clients as my friends and I'd like to treat them that way. And I'm, I'm open to input and I, I like everybody paying attention and I, you know, you got to know when to say something and when not to, right. you got to sure. read the room, but, but I like, <laughs> I, want so more, I, I want more eyes on it. You know, yeah. don't, don't, you know, I don't want my assistant to say in front of the client, well, that looks stupid. Don't do that. But if yeah. he sees something, I want to make the very least of, lean over and whisper in my ear and go, Hey, is that collar supposed to be like that? You know, cause you can miss things mm -hmm. easily. Like the so, Christmas tree. Like the Christmas tree. <laughs> oh, I have, there's a famous one uh, with one of my biggest clients and dear friends that we shot. Uh, this was, this company no longer exists, but she shot for this. She, she worked for this company and they made special occasion dresses for little girls. Okay. Like think about like Christine gowns and okay. all kind of little ring bearer outfits and stuff like that. And we shot this beautiful shot one time and a yellow, a little tiny yellow ache lamp 
made it all the way through to the cover of the catalog. I mean, it went through us shooting it, viewing it on the screen, editing it down to that shot, three rounds of, of color correction and making a hard proof. And it made it to press and was on the cover. And it's like, uh, it's just uh. mortifying, you know? <laughs> But it's uh, uh, but it, it, at that point it's not entirely your fault already. But it's like no, it, but it went down still, a trail. But I know, but it's still another thing I preach to my crew is you got to take ownership of stuff, you know. And it's like, yeah, I, I had a part in it, you know. So it's like you got to own up. Wow. How did you then? How did you go from the photojournalist to what you're doing now? And what do you do now? Like so that way people know like it's and I, well, I'm sure there's I, people, went I'm sure for, I went to work for for this company called graphics and um so i worked in the studio and you know i really didn't know what to expect and i ended up just kind of being for a year or two being like the corporate photographer okay and um and i was a photojournalist you know i shot 35 millimeter a lot of black and white film and but during that time i you know i i worked in the studio and had my desk was in the studio so they didn't really keep me busy 100% of the time. So I would just jump in and help the guys in the studio. And that was kind of my okay. assistantship. You know, I learned from those guys how to use a four by five camera, lighting. And, you know, those guys taught me so much. Still, still talk to those guys and everything. They were just like, wow, awesome. of sharing their knowledge and everything. And then one day, you know, everything got busy and they were like, hey, dude, can you just build a set over here and start shooting this? And. So I was like up on top of a 12 foot ladder, a four by five camera. Cause now you just send the camera up and you look at the computer <laughs> screen, right? But then you had to be uh -huh. behind the camera. And um, my boss walked in and was like, what the hell is he doing up there? What is he doing? And they were like, don't worry, we we're watching him. He's got it covered and everything. And then, I don't know, I just made the tra transition to that. And I worked, I worked for them for like, uh, shoot 25 years wow and oh you um, did okay i didn't know it was that long yeah we had a network of studios and when i left we had about 17 studios around the country and so when you travel would you travel around to different places to some of them yeah sometimes more than others i kind of had a leadership role so i was more involved with the other studios oh, okay maybe than normal like that's why i was in california all the time we had one out in anaheim and um, that kind of fell under my purvey. So I was out there like one week a month or something. And so brands would um, work with you guys? Is that what? A, or yeah, was, yeah. yeah. Or market, marketing firms. and yeah. yeah, agencies, direct to client. And that's like right now, my mix is probably, is, is, is heavier on the direct to client than with the agency mix. But I still work with a lot of agencies too. Um, and are you getting, so are you getting emails all the time? I guess too also, uh, our, our mutual friend was mentioning that like, because of COVID, it was difficult. Like it was, and I didn't think oh, about, yeah. I didn't think like every, people don't think about all the different things that are affected. My by, food, you know, I shoot a lot of food and I shoot a lot of lifestyle people, you know, a little bit of fashion, but a lot of lifestyle and stuff. And the, my food clients have, is, is what's kept me alive during the pandemic. Okay. Cause most of them have some sort of either, catalog online or like ordering component to their business mm -hmm. so their sales went up yeah and they were doing great the lifestyle and the fashion and stuff for me still hasn't come back yet so like right. i'm in full marketing mode right now to you know yeah. trying to build yeah, lists and make relationships and 
and and and you know email blasts and stuff like that do you think that do you feel like that will come back because of the way things are going or is it yeah you'd hope so i, I, hope, I hope so, so too yeah, yeah I hope so I'm, too. I'm sure you know what i don't think i don't think everything's going to come back exactly like it was i think just like a lot of aspects of life yeah things are there's going to be some kind of hybrid and it's you know it's disappointing because 2019 was probably my best year ever and everything was going up all my clients were adding work and and everything and then you know march 13th everything just went never mind there's been a lot of people i've talked to that they're that was their best year ever and like it was and the growth potential was exponential like things were looking to oh yeah expanding looking at doing more stuff and we were actually i was actually in the middle of a shoot we had spent three days prepping and building sets like a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then that that's when that happened. I think that Friday was March 13th um, or was it or 12th or something. Something around and, there, yeah. And Sunday morning at nine o'clock, the client called me to cancel the shoot. And it was a week-long shoot. Oh. And I was like, man, I, I, I was just like, you know, devastated not just because you know the work and the yeah. money and everything but we spent all this prep and i told the client i'm like man I, you know i'm gonna have to bill you for all this and you're not getting any pictures i yeah. i feel terrible and they were i mean they understood and everything. yeah but it's just it, it, it's and then it was like zero work for two or three months and then a little bit were you we doing were make a bat shoot? Were you do were you wandering and taking photo? Like how do you how do you was, how, was, mentally how do you deal with that? Oh, I don't you know, sometimes I wonder if I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I wonder too myself. Um, but but I just, yeah, I think, you know, probably like many people suffer suffered, you know, some level of depression or anxiety yeah. or whatever you call it, you know, For involved sure. with that. And because yeah, I mean, I'm used to you know, I'm on the road out of town 20, 25 weeks a year. I haven't been on a plane in a year and a half. Wow. Same with me. Yeah. That's... So, I mean, that was hard. But, I mean, the cool thing is I've been working on, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do something marketing-wise with it or not, but I've been dumping everything into a folder that's just like stuff I shot during the pandemic mm-hmm. and just different test shoots and self-assigned things that I did. And that was, if there was a bright spot, that probably was it because I got to do some cool stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah, I yeah. like, I went down to Austin, I connected online with this fly fishing guide and I'm like, Hey dude, I'd love to photograph you sometime. And he was into it. So we went down oh, that's and got great. some great stuff. And um, just people I met locally did this, if they were interesting, you know, we didn't always get great, great shots, but it was like, I just, I kind of like started it as like a, a passion. Mm-hmm. I called it my passion, passion project, shooting, shooting people who are passionate about what to do. That's great. No, I love uh, that. And, and, you know, uh, hanging out with some of my bar barbecue friends, you know, went down to Miller's a couple of times and, or several times and, um, went to Todd and, and Misty over at Cadillac a, a couple of times during the pandemic, they were handing out meat to people. Do you feel like you have a need and everything? Because if you remember early on, food yeah. distribution was, oh, and they yeah. were handing out like five pound bags of Wagyu ground beef to people. Oh. So I went and photographed that and hung out with them. And, and those, are impor- um, those are important slices of life that you were able to capture. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I don't know if I ever sold it. No, I know, but, but for yourself you know, even. just Yeah, yeah. 
but I mean, it's also, you know, tying back to the barbecue thing, it's also a cool, um, shows. cool manifestation of what the barbecue community is like. Definitely. I mean, these people are so nice and cool. The Miller family. Yeah, talk about the Miller family a little bit, because a lot of people, you know, what's funny is I feel like even though people know about them and they made every list, it seems like they're still like the dark horse. Like people don't seem to talk about them as much. As good <laughs> Maybe it's a good thing yeah, for All you. People <laughs> won't come ruin it. I know, but, but, they, are but they are doing awesome so much. People. There's, I mean, there's stories that aren't mine to tell about them. They're so generous and, yeah. um, and good people. And we just, I just, happened i mean we my producer and i went ate there not long after they opened like in 2008 in their old building oh, wow. and just kind of like kept a relationship with them they're just the nicest people and definitely uh dirk and dusty and dylan and mama lisa you know she's like always making me fatter <laughs> <laughs> with all her great pies and stuff and um but they they are great people and and uh and creative and, and and oh they're creative and smart i mean dusty is just like savvy and just the greatest people and they and they and they you know what they don't like sit back on their laurels they're always improving and this this new like genre of craft barbecue or whatever i think that's what it takes to be Mm -hmm. to be successful i mean they're all like dirk's always improving you know, like I was up there one time. I was like, "Hey, I want you to try the ribs. I've tamed some stuff." You know, <laughs> it's really, really good. That's really. I neat. got a That's... great story about them. So this was literally maybe a week or two before the pandemic. A good friend of mine, like one of my best friends, I have introduced him to Miller's. Obviously, and he just like wild about it. And he's in the aviation industry, and he had some clients come coming down from Iowa. And they had meetings in Dallas, and then they were going to like a convention in Austin. Okay. And they were going to drive, and they were going to stop at Miller's on the way. And I was slow and bored, and I was like, I'm going to come with y'all, go to Miller's, and just eat some barbecue and come home. Y'all go on to Austin. So we go down, and there's all these guys from Iowa, and, you know, Miller's is just awesome. And, you know, the whole time we're there, Chapa, the restaurant manager, and uh, Amadio Chapa, and... Uh, Dirk were sitting with us. We're there like two or three hours, you know. And um, and I was talking to Dirk, and I was like, you know, Dirk, I was thinking about getting a pellet smoker. He's like, hmm. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm getting too old. I was like, if we want to eat a brisket for supper, I got to get up at like three o'clock in the morning. And I know you do it every day, but you know, da da da. And he just and he was so agreeable, and it just shocked me. And I was like. So yeah, I'm thinking about getting a trailer or something. And he goes, he goes, you know, I don't see nothing wrong with that. If you want to get one of those and do it. And if when you're out there cooking on it, you know, if you want to, you want to wear one of your wife's dresses, you go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and the Iowa boys, they just uh, lost it. You know, it oh, was just so like, funny. he just set me up to be the street man and just like, boom. You're like, wow, you know, awesome. it is a good idea. Oh, that's, that's so amazing. That's so great. <laughs> well, what's that, let's talk about i guess because some people listening to this are listening for photography but for barbecue when did, how, how long have you been shooting barbecue because it's it, you've lived there so that's sort of in your yeah, blood yeah right? i mean i just grew up with it and everything right but i probably i don't know my uh 
my old producer who's retired now and good friend Brian Gooding and I would we'd be driving all over Texas for shoots and everything and he kind of like got me into we started like and this is still to this day if we have a shoot in Texas our route is determined by barbecue joints that's great so we'd be going down to the shoot at the King Ranch which is like an eight hour drive, but we turned it into a 12 hour drive because we'd go all the way to Junction or to, to like Fargo's and, and call it and Brian or something. And, you know, That's hit great. four or five barbecue joints in one day. And it just started to become a thing, you know, and, and really didn't start out to photograph it. We were just tasting just barbecue. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I had mentioned in that, uh, that other article you had, it's like, you know, usually the primary thing is just to go eat some good barbecue and, and the exactly. photography is almost mm-hmm. secondary, but you just had so much, so many nice people and just interesting, interesting uh, settings and backgrounds and yeah, people. And how could you not? It lends itself. It? It's, I feel like, you know, it's design. like the photographer, Joe McNally, he talks about some, some editor in his history, telling him, telling him, you know, if you want to shoot, better pictures stand in front of more interesting things <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of t- and it's like, you know and but it, it is cool and the whole the whole culture behind it is just fascinating as a native texan and mm-hmm. and a proud texan and you know probably an obnoxious texan you know all that stuff really matters to mm-hmm. me a lot but the the culture and the people i mean it's like especially now with this you know what's been going on like the last 10 or 12 years mm-hmm. yeah i mean you can go i've had decent texas barbecue in manhattan mm-hmm. i mean in california you know, have in portland and, i know yeah. i've uh-huh. talked to them they're like you're from texas yeah uh-huh. well we we modeled everything after cripes and lockhart and yeah. Like, oh yeah do you know Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like well, a lot of the people have been to Texas A&M. Everything's kind of. Yeah, everybody knows everybody. And but and, and like the which I've never gotten to go to. I got to go. But like the Texas Mar- the barbecue fest and then like the 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 big one in the in Tyler. They all know each other. A red dirt they and... get to hang out together uh-huh. and they help each other and support. Yeah. Each- it's amazing. Yeah, it's like ninety nine point nine percent of the people are really kind. It really does. There's a couple yeah. that and are then, you know, crazy. And then there's even like there's even like, you know, John Mueller, who's like, you know, the the David Allen Cole of barbecue. But I think I kind of think that's a front. I, he's really a good guy. You know. Yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit about your gear. What- well, I shoot mainly with Nikon gear nowadays. I've always yeah. been a Nikon guy, going back to. You know, the first the first new camera I bought was a Pentax K1000. But after that, when I went to college and the first camera I saved up to buy was a Nikon FM, I think. Okay. With an MD12 motor drive. And um, I still shoot Nikon. Over the years, you know, I've shot Hasselblad and then it transitioned into digital. We would shoot Hasselblad with a phase one back. And I think those products are still great you know they're still really good but the the dslrs have gotten so much better that the need you know the uh, for the lot of the stuff i shoot the cost benefit ratio isn't always there you know and i don't want to disparage anybody's product but you know a, a, a canon or a nikon is just much more reliable than a phase one camera or those those 
big, beautiful cameras are also very complicated and sometimes the uptime can be a factor. No, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense because I think people and, probably uh, dream of, of having those. And but. now I have, you know, like I have these, these mirrorless cameras. This is a Z7. I call it my Barbie camera. Cause I mean, look, it's even got a, like a little extender on it, but look how <laughs> tiny it is. And, but I mean, the files it makes are beautiful, but I do like, you know, I've said before, I kind of downplay the equipment. It's, it's like, yeah, hopefully exactly. it's the person behind the camera that's making the so. picture and not mm -hmm. And, you know, I make, I don't know if you shoot Canon, but I make fun of Canons all the time, but they make a really good product. It's just, I, I, I do shoot it's, Canon, but that, I it's more like a, it's, it's like a, a Ford Chevy thing, right? It's uh -huh. like, we just like to make fun of each other. And like a lot of my crew and everything, they're like all Canon people. And That's I funny. always joke and I was like, oh, Canon's give me a rash, you know? <laughs> and, um, what about, but, but there's Canon's, also Sony, aren't there Sony people then? There's like a whole Sony group too, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're like fanatical about it, I think. Yeah, they are. But you know what? Sony's making a good product and some of the new technology they're coming out with. I mean, that's hard you know, to They kind of, they kind of led the pack on mirrorless. Mm -hmm. I was like an anti-mirrorless guy. Like, there's no way I'm going to shoot with an electronic viewfinder. And uh, a few years ago, I was on location for Cabela's in North or South Dakota. And one of my assistants had like a Sony A7 or A9. Or I can't remember what it was. And I was like, let me see that. Because I had had another good friend that shot Fuji and just loved it. Mm -hmm. And so I started playing with it. I'm like, well, maybe I could use one of these, you know? And then as the technology got better and I like, I ordered one and started using it and just some of the stuff like the, the eye follow focus. And I'm like, I actually bought a second one because when I was shooting fashion, it was taking too long to switch lenses. So I just like have a short lens and a long yeah, lens. Yeah, and just yeah. switch Especially when you're tethered and mm -hmm. you have a tether block on there and a plate for the, one of my lights just went out. That's okay. We're wrapping up. Yeah. Well, they're these are portable lights. They're battery powered, so they 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 turn off the modeling lights after a while. Yeah, mine's probably gonna um, go out eventually. It's um, but I use I use like all Godox lighting equipment for twenty five years. I use nothing but bronze color, okay. which is like the creme de la creme, you know, precision made Swiss stuff. And but the what happened was I had like packs that were 17 years old still going like crazy but they didn't have any modern features uh, on you know now you got the transmitter on the camera and i can adjust everything right there and high speed sync and you know these things are kind of disposable it's yeah. like and you don't feel bad like if i put a light on a stand out in the middle of a lake somewhere yeah and something you know i'm not gonna follow, feel as bad as if it's a it's a, if it's a, a brown color or a, a pro photo falling over and costing me three thousand dollars, you know. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. And um, but I love them, and I and I really like these. They, I used to use um, like pro photo B ones a lot on location. You know, we'd rent them wherever we go, and um, these kind of outperform them. They got a little bit more power. There's, you know. You always got to consider the source, right? So nothing is gospel, but you know, there's studies that their 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 color performance and their output consistency is on a par, you know, and it costs a, a quarter of what that stuff 
And is, I've, and then the batteries last forever. Is there a certain one that you like or that you? Well, I use the, the 8600s. Okay. It's AD, not A, not the number yeah, 80. Yeah. Um, and, but I have in the studio, I have a lot of their uh, studio model lights too. And when I went off on my own, I swore I would never have a big kit again. I would just have a small kit and rent what I needed. Well, Kevin, I got 30 light. I, you know, it, it's crazy, but I, I love them. And I'm, I'm like, I should be an ambassador or something. I've sold more of these things than, you know, than anybody. Cause I like, yeah, you should be a, sa a sales them. rep, a sales rep or some kind I of, I should get a commission. Yeah. Five, 10%. Yeah. There should be I something built in. Yeah. But yeah, and I use like, um, you know, plugging people I love, I guess, you know, like I have Think Tank bags. I really like Think Tank and Mindshift Gear is kind of like their outdoor backpack. Because yeah, I'm okay, I'm actually looking for a bag. Okay, so Think Tank. Okay. Okay. Mindshift Gear. What's it called? Thank you. No, this is helpful for <laughs> 26. I, I use a 26 liter okay. backlight, I think it's called. And, but if you want a smaller one, there's an 18 liter one too. And I think there's even a bigger one. I can't have the bigger one because I'll fill it up and it'll weigh 90 pounds. So the 26 liter one's pretty good. It, okay. Sometimes it weighs 40 pounds when I get it full, <laughs> but yeah. And then, you know, Matthew's an America grip, American grip equipment and stuff. So pretty standard stuff. Is there a, a certain, is that a, a tripod, Nate? What's the, what's the tripod that you would, is there, cause I know that some people say, there's some that are kind of junky or kind of fall apart. Yeah, well, I mean, Gitzo is like the pinnacle, right? Um, I, I I have I have a Gitzo monopod. I don't know that I have a Gitzo tripod anymore. Right now, I'm used for tripods. I use uh, I have a couple of Benros, and then I have a little uh, Bogan Manfrotto that I just love. I used it. Oh. I used the heck out of that thing, and it's not giant, but you know, as the cameras get smaller, you don't need as big. True. And it, it's one of those things where I kind of bought it from an assistant. She, she kind of needed the money and she was selling it. And I really didn't need it. But I was like, here, I'll yeah. buy it from you. Now it's my favorite tripod. That's good to know because some, and some lenses are pretty heavy. So you want to make sure you have a tripod. That you do. Proper, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't, you don't want to drop anything. Yeah. But I had, when I was doing that junction class, I had uh, uh, 500 on it. Oh, it was fine. Yeah, Excellent. Two, two to 500 zoom. Wow. Well, kind of big. And like I said, like we could talk forever and we'll do a part two for sure, because I'd love to just talk, sto yeah. talk stories, but what are all the different ways people can get a hold of you? Okay. My Instagram is at RJ Hinkle. My website is rjhinkle.com. And that's probably the best way to get hold of me. And that you go yeah, to my sure website a... and it's got all my stuff on there. So yeah. And, you're, and, then, and then contact information now is the best yeah. way to get a, to contact you through the website. Is that probably if someone wants to probably and but if you go to my website, it's got my phone number, my email address and everything on there. OK, RJ at RJHinkle.com. Wow. Hopefully okay. it's all easy to remember. <laughs> that sounds. Yeah. <laughs> if not, it'll also be below so people can get that, cool, too. But, th cool. but thank you so much for taking the time. I've wanted to talk to you for a while and I've loved your stuff from afar. And I just like talking well, i like talking texas and talking i photos. do too i love you know you get me talking gear and barbecue and i'm never gonna shut yeah. up and um but yeah i i i love your videos and oh, thank you and it just again a testament to the barbecue community that there's such cool people out there definitely and i and i, I love all your photos but that one of uh Arnis is it's such a, oh that's uh, a, that is know, such a like great I said on that article that was a kit lens 
it was literally like I was in Lubbock for for the advisor board meetings, which are only really a day and a half. But I, I a lot of times I'll go for the whole week and talk to some classes and and stuff like that. And um, we had one day where we had a couple hours free for lunch. It was like, let's go get some barbecue. So we got to Wolfrith and we go eat. And then like it, my buddy, Jared, you know, you know, just kind of giving me a hard time as we're getting our food, he goes up there and he goes, you know, this is RJ Hinkle's famous barbecue. <laughs> You're like, great. <laughs> and they're like, oh man, and they were so nice. And I was just like, mm. and, uh, and so like artists, took me over there to where he, he made his shop next door where he yeah, makes yeah. all the pits and everything. And he had just been welding and he just looked like, dude, can I take a picture real quick? And, you know, it's, we call it pole barn lighting. It's just a big opening in the barn. That's the light for that. And, uh, and like, a seven, uh, I don't know, so 70 to 120 F4 kit right. lens is what I had on me. It's, and, it's, um, and it says it just, so much. It just, it just says so much in that photo. There's, yeah, it's, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll try to pop hates, it. Mallory loves the shot, but she hates that he's got the cigar. In his cigar, mouth. yeah. It's like, it, is, it just looks, <laughs> it's just such a. She's like, can you do that again without the cigar? In his mouth? Uh, it's almost like, but it's almost. They're such great people. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're the nicest, like not there's, I could say they're the nicest to, for about 50 or 60 or hundred people, but they Everybody, are so great. They're so Arneson, great. Mallory, the Miller family, Todd and Misty. I mean, you know, Carrie and Miss Tits. I mean, you yeah, I was, I was just going to say, yeah, that, yeah, it's Wayne and everybody, La Barbecue. I mean, it just, <laughs> everywhere. yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, there's a lot of great humans and they, it's, it's different. It's like people, people always, and I, I've mentioned this on the show many times. They say, why are you so into barbecue? You're like, you're going to, you're going to die because you're having so much meat. And I'm like, number one, I don't eat as much as you think. Yeah. I eat. And number two, it's the people it's the, this it is really like talking is. to you. Like I would never, if I wasn't in this world, I, there's a, maybe a chance I would have met you, but the fact that, right. I have, you know, I could sit down with you and then the break, history break and the culture. And, and like I said, it's universal having this background. It's like an icebreaker. People are like, are you sitting in a bar? And I'm like, no, it's a barbecue joint. Yeah. And I mean, it really is. People are so cool. And and just the history of the the meat markets going back mm -hmm. into yeah, Czech evolved. and German yeah. immigrants. But even like the the Caddo's and stuff were smoking meat. Mm -hmm. Caddo Indians and everything were smoking meat long before right. that. You uh -huh. know, it's... The, and the traditions that came out of Mexico. And I mean, it's just. Well, it's I, really and in Texas, my, my heart, there's a, a large part of my heart that's in Texas, but also I like the, the stories from the South and the stories from like all the different, the barbecue traditions from yeah. the South. That's there's, so there's, it's there's a lot of special things and it, and it's amazing how that evolved and how it, and how in, and it's, yeah, the, yeah. That, it's fascinating. There's, there's a million things we could talk about, but I, RJ, thank you so so much for you bet my pleasure it's an time. honor to be with with uh in such auspicious company well you know looking at all the other well interviews you've i think so. I, you be you belong there for sure and it's it's i just i don't I'm, know I'm about that but i'll take it for sure like <laughs> <laughs> well, well have a great day don't uh all right don't, don't have any optical illusions get you get yeah, you in the next no. week or two have a great day all right you Thanks too so bye